You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And good morning, in case may be. You are here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, the host for the next 30 minutes on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. And we are the only live call in radio show here on Pet Life Radio, something we want you to take advantage of. So uh, if you have any questions about your pets, I always, always have an agenda. We're talking about some different organ systems we're going through, and, and I think we're going to continue eyes today. But it makes no difference. Any question you have, give us a call. You can call us live right here at 877-385-8882. You can log on if you're with us right now on the Internet. You can just go on to Pet Life Radio, click on the Ask the Vets tab, and you will see a big box that says join the conversation and you can do just that join in the conversation and start typing away there's a big thing at the bottom there and um, right now it's just me and mark our producer we want more people on this chat and then lastly you can go send me a quick email and it will be forwarded to me live as we speak to dr jeff that's dr jeff at petliferadio.com and uh, also once again want to thank our sponsors because without them we wouldn't be here and those are ProSense Pet Products and Kong Veterinary Toys. As a matter of fact, anyone who calls in, anyone who types in a question, anyone who um, logs on and joins the conversation, sends me an email, and we answer your question live on air, uh, we will send you out a free ProSense product and a Kong toy for your dog or cat. So just think, it's not just the answer, not just the information, not just the fun, but you also get walk away with something kind of cool from Kong and ProSense. So we have, I was, uh, well, we were two weeks ago, we were live from the North American Veterinary Conference. Coming up soon, we're going to be at the Western Veterinary Conference, and then very shortly thereafter at the Global Pet Expo. As a matter of fact, a number of our hosts here on Pet Life Radio will hopefully be attending that conference, and we should have a, a lot of fun together. So we've gone through a lot of organ systems lately. I, I always feel that an educated pet parent is going to be able to make better decisions, is going to be a lot more comfortable with the things that they hear, and more likely be able to engage in conversation with a veterinarian. You know, philosophically, I get to stand on my soapbox since, since this is my show. I am a bit concerned to say the least, at the quality of veterinarians coming out today. And I don't mean knowledge, because the knowledge is there. Oh, my God, they're smart. What I mean is that the because of technology, because of internet, because of all these factors, because of legal issues, I continually find that young veterinarians are so afraid to commit to the obvious that instead they want to test for everything in sight. Heaven forbid they should miss something at the first visit. And that's really not the way doctors, and I mean human doctors as well, should be practicing medicine. To do a good job, it's to get that thorough history, do a good physical exam, and before you even go to technology, and that, by that I mean before you go to the ultrasound machine, before you go to the x-ray machine, before you go to the laboratory for all the blood and urinalysis, based on the, what you see in front of you, based on the physical exam, based on the history, how it came on, where the pet lives, I mean, all these factors, you should have a pretty darn good idea of what's going on. And then you get to pick and choose the appropriate tests to rule out those obvious things first. And then after that, you can go on to the, the B level and ultimately the C level. 
I mean C with a ABC, not SEA. And what I'm saying is, is that, you know, little expressions that I find myself using every day. If it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. So rule out your duck first before you start looking for other things. And uh, my favorite rule, I call it my favorite rule, is the kiss rule. And I don't mean some really great tongue for that really cute retriever. Kiss meaning keep it simple, stupid. Stop looking for the hard things. Stop looking for the esoterics. Stop looking for that disease that the vet's going to probably see twice in his or her lifetime. And let's go with the obvious stuff. And lastly is the expression, I've used it before. I know many of you that listen have heard me say it. Obviously, it can be appropriate to anywhere you live, but you'll get it when I talk about here in California. But if you're running along the beach in Malibu and you hear hoofbeats chasing you from behind, what are you thinking, horses or zebras? And the logical, obvious answer is horses. We don't see zebras running along the beach in Malibu, but we can see horses. So, doctor, I would say, why are you looking for those zebras? You haven't even ruled out your horses yet. And that's kind of what it boils down to. So, so I've been going through uh, organ systems for those of you that may not have been joining us on Sunday mornings here. And um, we finished some of the endocrine conditions. Those are the glands. And we talked about thyroid. We talked about diabetes, both kinds. We talked about Addison's disease. So now I'm sort of starting in the head end, and we're going to go through some organ systems. And one that has always intrigued me, one that I actually, I often joke that had I not wanted to get into practice, had I not been older relatively to some of my classmates when I graduated veterinary school, I may have even considered this one as a specialty. Fortunately, I, I, well, I didn't because I really now, hindsight, I love as a GP, getting to do a little bit of everything. I don't get bored that way. It's very exciting. I get long-term relationship with my clients, which probably for me in practice, the relationship I develop with my patients and my clients is probably my thrill. Whereas when you're a specialist, you work through that case. And once that case is solved, unless that client has other pets that end up needing that same specialty, you may not ever see them again. And to me, that, that wasn't what becoming a veterinarian was all about. But we started with eyes, and I, and I really do like eyes. And I do a lot of, as a GP, I do a lot of eye work, actually. I find just talking to my associates and colleagues of mine, probably more than many do, just because I enjoy it so much. And um, a couple of weeks ago when we started, before we had our guest host talking about hospice and, and home euthanasia and being at the show, we had started talking about some of the eye diseases, and we mentioned glaucoma. And uh, glaucoma, as you recall, is a condition where the eye pressures inside the eyeball itself get very high. There are two chambers in the eye. One is filled with a vitreous. And uh, when the eye pressure, because of poor drainage between these two portions of the eye, start to fail or because of certain diseases, the actual pressure in that eyeball, think of it as a thick-walled balloon, water balloon. You can fill it up with water and you can still push it, but you get to a point where you're, it's so tight, you can barely push it. You can't indent it with your thumb anymore. And we need to, in a sense, deflate. Uh, you can ask you know, the Patriots and Tom Brady how to do that. But you know, we can deflate the globe, if you will, through medication, through surgery, and control the pressures. And ultimately, depending on the underlying cause and the success of the various treatments employed to try to reduce that pressure, whether it's through medication, surgery, cryosurgery, whatever, laser, those eyes or that eye, the affected eye, often needs to be removed. Much more traumatic, by the way, for us than it is for the dog. As a little side note, I had a client come in the other day and she had a little chihuahua that she adopted. She just felt so sorry for it. It was terribly abused. No one really knows why or, or where, but it ended up at the shelter and both eyes had to be removed. Now, you would think that given a dog where both eyes had to be removed, meaning now we have a, a completely blind dog, 
that this dog would be sullen, mopey, um, maybe unfriendly, maybe fearful because it doesn't, can't see what it, what's approaching. Au contraire, this thing, this little chihuahua is the happiest, the sweetest thing. Love is being held, gives kisses. It is just unbelievable to me how things that seem to bother us so much, pets are so resonant. They are able, they rebound so well from these terrible situations. I was amazed, this dog. It's, I've seen it a number of times now before. It's like now that it's, it's getting used to its new home and is so well adapted, is even better, which I can't believe it's even better because it was so good to begin with. So on the subject of eyes, you know, let's talk about some of the earlier conditions that we see. And these are conditions typically, if we see them early, what does that typically mean? Well, if you're seeing something very early, like in a puppy or a kitten, then there's a good chance that it's a congenital problem and something that they were born with. Maybe has a hereditary predisposition, as in some of the diseases that we see, maybe not. But something that we see early on, one of the things would be, for example, we'll see dogs that have aberrant lashes. And these are little teeny lashes that are normal in position, but they're growing the wrong way. And in other cases, we're seeing multiple, the little hair follicle went astray and and is just putting out all these little hair follicles with lashes growing in every which direction. The problem there is that the lashes are growing and rubbing on the eyeballs. So we see these little dogs come in squinting like crazy, very uncomfortable, often with corneal ulcers. These are abrasions. These are irritations on the eyeball because of the rubbing of the lashes. And what happens when a dog has this discomfort, this pain, this this rubbing? Well, they start squinting. So now picture this. As they squint and those eyes shut, the lashes actually dig in even more. It's a huge, huge issue. Some fancy names, trichiasis, dystichiasis. And what we need to do is those lashes either need to be removed, uh, could be done through freezing them, uh, like epilation, if you will. They have to be surgically removed. That's via what's called a lid-splitting procedure, where the actual hair follicle, the entire lash and follicle is removed. Electrolysis could be done. I'm sure many of you know or maybe have had that done before. So we have to destroy those lashes. And at the same time, sometimes temporarily, evert the lids. So that means pull the lids going backwards in the opposite direction so those lashes don't continually rub on the eyeball. The good news is it's very fixable. And once fixed, oh my God, the difference that you see in these pets that have had problems with their lids is dramatic. Now, while on the subject of lids, let's talk about another very, very common problem that we see. Certain breeds more than others. We'll see it often in chow chows, sharpays. I'm going to give you a hint. We see it in Rottweilers. Truth is, we could see it in any dog, but in a much higher predisposition, and that is called entropion. Entropion literally means an inward rolling of the eyelid. So even though the lashes are normal, the hair at the lids are normal, because of the inward rolling, we continually, again, have hair that's rubbing directly on the eyeball. And it's very interesting. Dogs don't seem to be as bothered, initially anyway, by having something in their eye. How crazy do we get when we have a lash in our eye or a little dust particle or for any of you that wear contacts and and get that little minute little dust particle under the lens. You're tearing. It's painful. It's irritating. Meanwhile, we have dogs that'll stick their heads out of clothes going 60 miles an hour and are totally fine. Or I'm continually looking in a dog's eye and I'm seeing all this crud or I'm seeing something that doesn't belong there. They seem fine. But once the abrasive action on the cornea 
has done its damage. And I'll explain why just a minute when we come back from our break. That's when we start seeing the problem. That's when we start seeing more squinting and more pain. So their ability to withstand the discomfort early on with an intact cornea is amazing. But once that cornea is abraded, forget about it. So we're going to come back in just a few minutes. I know it goes very quickly. I still want to hear from you. I see nobody joining in the conversation. That's terrible. Give us a call at 877-385-8882. We could talk about eyes. We could talk about your pets. We could talk about anything, but we got to talk about it. So give me a call. We'll be right back after the short break. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. This is my tired of itching face. Does your dog suffer from persistent itching and scratching? Allergies and skin irritations caused by environment, including pollens, insects, especially fleas, food and common household allergens are common problems in dogs. It's easy to alleviate your dog's discomfort at home with ProSense. ProSense itch and allergy products provide fast relief from symptoms like itchy, irritated skin, skin infections like hot spots and watery eyes. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, also known as the Pet Lady. I travel from coast to coast to pet trade shows and consumer events to scout out what the hottest, hippest, and most unique pet products are on the planet, bringing you tips and tricks from top veterinarians, groomers, trainers on how to safely travel and live happily with your pets. The Pet Lady will be in a city near you, showing off the latest and greatest tech, pet gadgets, cozy comforts, and fab gift ideas for man's and woman's best friend. You can learn more at thepetlady.net or connect socially and tweet with me at Pet Lady World. Hey there, pet parents. This is Christy Vaughn, host of The Doggy Dish. Do you love your furry companion? Do you love making him or her healthy treats but can't seem to find the time? Great news. The Doggy Dish is the perfect show for you. Every episode is chock full of healthy and easy recipes that are made with ingredients you most likely have on hand. Tune into The Doggy Dish for yummy and healthy recipes for your canine kids. Every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com. PetLifeRadio.com And welcome back. You are live with Dr. Jeff Werber. 
here in my home studio in gorgeous Los Angeles, California. Hope wherever you are, you are braving either cold winter or maybe like lucky like me <laughs> in a nice sunny day. Before the break, we were talking about eyes. We were talking about how it, the, the amazing ability that dogs don't seem to be bothered by getting something in their eye. And yet sometimes they'll present, they'll come in with this horrendous irritation, conjunctivitis, tearing, eye discharge because of something called entropion, an inward rolling of the eyes. And the solution, the, re- the answer is simple. The cornea actually has seven layers. There are five layers of tissue and two tear film layers. The, interestingly, the nerve endings are in the outermost tissue layer. So what happened is when that layer is intact, it's a true protectant and allows dogs to therefore not be bothered by dust particles in the eye, or that's why they could stick their head out of a window of a moving car. They could be hunting and get a little some bushes rubbing against their eye as long as it doesn't abrade, erode that outermost layer. But once it does, we call that an abrasion or an ulcer, a corneal ulcer. And now those nerve endings are exposed and it becomes extremely painful. As a matter of fact, there are different depths to ulcers. Clearly, what we call a superficial ulcer is the one that if our pets are going to have one, it's the one we want them to have. However, superficial corneal ulcers are, believe it or not, actually more painful than deep ulcers because the deep ones have already gone past that nerve ending. So you can have a, for example, the deepest of the deep of ulcers is called a desmetacil because it's penetrating decimates membrane, which is the last membrane there. And it's just, it's the last protection between that and the front part of the eye, okay? So we would call the anterior chamber. Well, those dogs are walking around with desmetaceals where that's very serious, very dangerous because the eye can actually pop, rupture, and they are in less pain, less discomfort than the dog who's just got a little superficial scratch, which is something that's very treatable, healable, etc. Unless, of course, they have some sort of defect called a stromal defect, which actually impedes, it slows down their healing. And then we have to do some fancy footwork to get those cells to want to heal again. So the entropion problem, over time, it's not the first time the dog's eyelashes or, or hair from the eyelids hit the eye causing the problem. But it's over time with every time they blink, every time they open and close their eyes, is that finally it takes its toll. It starts abrading, and now they get painful. Now we get the ulcers. Now that because of that, now they want to squint even more. And of course, just like with the dystochiasis or the trichiasis, the more they squint, the more damage they cause. And it's a vicious cycle. So we need to fix these eyes. Now, sometimes I'll see these dogs, Sharpe puppies, Chow Chow puppies, Roddy puppies that have already some degree of entropion, and yet you don't want to fix those permanently because we need to wait until these dogs stop growing. Because picture this, in order to fix the inward rolling, okay, we need to kind of bring those lids back. But as a dog grows, picture the Sharpe is a perfect example, into their face, things are going to kind of tighten up on their own. Well, if you fix or you have the lids fixed as a puppy, where you now made the lids perfect, and then that dog continues to grow into their face, now we have the opposite of entropion. We have something called an ectropion, which the eyelids droop outwards. You get these heavy lids. Think of the, the bloodhound, 
right? Or the, the St. Bernard or the, the Newfoundland where they have these huge heavy lids and you look down at them and all you see is a big pockets of pink, right? The pink conjunctival tissue. That's a form of ectropion. So what I recommend, and don't ever let a veterinarian talk you into having your pet's eyelids fixed prior to full growth. And what we do is a temporary fix. It is a temporary lid tack where we're not removing any skin. We're not allowing for the healing into a different location. All we're doing is temporarily everting the lids, bringing them out so the dog is more comfortable. We can now treat the ulcer. We can treat the irritation. And once they are full grown, now we can take our tacks away and see kind of where we're at. And it's amazing how many dogs, after being tacked and then complete their growth, never need surgery anyway. So be very, very, very cautious about that. But so entropion, ectropion, those are eyelid issues. And speaking of premature surgery or inappropriate surgery, this brings me to another very, very common problem. Again, very breed related, something we'll probably see more in the Cocker Spaniel, the English Bulldog, the Lhasa, the Shih Tzu. And many of you that know eyes or have had these breeds, you might be thinking to yourself already, oh, I got it. I know it. I know it. And that is called a prolapsed gland of the third eyelid. But we all call it the lay term. Even veterinarians call it the lay term. And that is cherry eye. And if I were to ask you and if I could see your hands going up, how many of you have heard of cherry eye? How many of you have had pets that have had cherry eye? I can just see it already. All these hands going up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a very common problem. It is so common that I have, back when Cocker Spaniels were even more popular than they are now, I would go sometimes through, in a week, see five, six, seven puppies where I was doing cherry eye surgery. And the reason why I, I often say inappropriate, twofold. Number one, when that gland, so here's, let's, let's talk about the mechanics first. The dogs and cats have what's called a third eyelid. If you ever want to see the third eyelid, how it works. When they blink, they have a lid that comes from the inside corner and it comes up to the outside corner. If you want to see it in action, if you go to your dog or cat right now and just very gently, let me repeat that, very gently, take your finger on top of the upper eyelid and then just kind of push down on the eye. So the eyelid's not closed. You're just using that as you don't want to touch the eyeball with your finger. So using the lid, all right, And as you push that eyeball in just a little, you're going to see that lid, that flap come up. And it's an extra protective mechanism. It's that mechanism that has protected the eyes from getting all the scratches for the, you know, animals that are going through thick brush, animals that are playing with each other. It's that extra protective lid. Well, on the inside of that lid is a gland called a gland of the third eyelid or the nictitating membrane, the nictitans. And this gland is a lymphoid-type follicular gland, and like many others, it's very reactive. So when a dog has an irritation, when a dog has, for example, any problem, that gland gets very large, and it gets very red and follicular, very bumpy. Well, in some of these dogs, it actually gets so big, it pops out, it prolapses, and we call that a prolapse gland of the third eyelid or cherry eye. And I mean, when I started practicing, was working for my ex-boss, the treatment back then was to remove it. And they did fine. They do totally fine post-surgically. Ah, but there's a problem. We've learned that this gland has more function than just a protective gland, just a reactive gland, all right? It also provides an accessory tear supply. 
Now, when you have these young dogs, they have, their tear glands are working just fine. So they don't need accessory. They don't need extra. Ah, but when the dogs get older and their tear glands start to dry up a little bit, if you will, now we need, they need the extra tears produced by that nictitans, that nictitating membrane gland, the third eyelid, the third eyelid gland, the cherry eye. And if you removed it when they were puppies, guess what? Now these dogs, as they get older, don't have enough tears and get a condition called KCS, keratoconjunctivitis cica, cica meaning dry, also known as dry eye. And that one, ladies and gentlemen, that is a tough one to deal with. So we have learned that we cannot remove that gland. We actually have to come up with a way to tuck it or depending on the ability to blink and keep it moist, it's all aesthetic. That gland can stay out there as long as when dogs blink, that they cover it with tears, it stays moist, it stays nice and pink and smooth. It doesn't need to be fixed, but cosmetically, let's face it, most of us want to have this gland fixed. So we are at that time. Time flies by when you're having a good time. So uh, next week when we come back, we're going to talk about the techniques, the importance of actually not removing that gland and also the non, let me repeat that, non-emergency nature of this problem. And I'm going to tell you a very interesting story that happened to one of my patients uh, with cherry eye and an emergency clinic. So anyway, thanks for joining me. I want to once again thank our sponsors, ProSense Pet Products, Kong. Um, if you want to get a hold of me during the week, if you're embarrassed, if you're shy, or if you, there's a subject matter that you just want some help with, go ahead and send me an email to drjeff, that's drjeff, at petliferadio.com. We'll talk about it. I will hopefully educate you, ease your mind, whatever I can do to at least make you more aware and understanding of whatever problem you're having. Or if you get the courage, next week, join us, log on to the show at PetLifeRadio.com. Ask the vets with Dr. Jeff or give us a call 877-385-8882. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next Sunday. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.